0: Morning, everyone, or afternoon, wherever you are, or dinner time, or late at night, dead of night, dead of
1: night, middle of the night—is that who you want to be listening to in the dead of night? Us? <laughs> no, no, no. Well, maybe. That would be scary. I wouldn't want yeah. that. Yeah.
0: <laughs> well, this is another installment of our True Face Bose Cafe series, and this one we're trying to address the fears about grace. Grace fears. Grace, grace.
2: fears. It's isn't it amazing? Every time we say that, I go, "What is it about our persons and theologies that causes us to be afraid of grace?"
1: But but it's Ooh, your God wife God. is so scary, though. Yeah. Well, I mean, well, I mean that's just, a different. That's a different. Five animal. foot three of just power.
0: <laughs> well, it, it's because, isn't it? Because we're many of us are unfamiliar and we're terrified of where the implications will lead. Exactly. Yeah. So the one we're coming up with today is. If I really put my weight on living out of who Christ says I was and believing grace, wouldn't I get lazy? Wouldn't I just take things for granted, take the things of God for granted, and not really care deeply and not be passionate and not be sold out and not be radical? Wouldn't I just uh, drift away Mm -hmm. into kind of a nebulous Mm -hmm. Half-hearted Christian life. Amen.
1: Well, it seems like we've met a few people who've been, you know, yelling about grace. And we look at their life and we think, well, that doesn't look like a positive yeah. thing. But Amen. So why isn't grace well, I, think,
2: I think part of the answer is nobody could ever accuse the Apostle Paul of being lazy. Ever. You couldn't accuse the disciples of being They all died as martyrs, for crying out loud. Mm-hmm. The, mm. the fear is is because we put effort on the wrong syllable.
1: You know, they did forget to bring food out for that big group <laughs> that one time. I'm just yeah, that uh, was lazy. Yeah. That was lazy. Yeah, or at well, least not that thinking was a,
2: ahead. That was a loss of hope. Say <laughs> that again. We put effort on the wrong Syllable. syllable. In other words, wh- what we do is we say our effort has got to be put into trying real hard. To become something to please God, it's just it's innate in us, and we bring it into our Christianity. Our theologies are often formed around our innate desire to be the one who really does something, to get somewhere, and and uh, and we know that we we listen to this and we talk about it. So so the thing is, I say Paul and the disciples they weren't lazy, <laughs> but what they did is they put their effort in a very different place. Their their effort was not to become something. Their effort was to honor God's purpose in them to change this world. Hmm. Now that's going to take a lot of effort. I and mean, we know that. In fact, that effort's harder. It's easier to be seduced into working real hard to partner with God and working on our sin than it is to make a difference in the life of our neighbors.
1: So, then... If that's true then John what what about the people who you meet who they are are acting in ways that you think are just wrong and they say oh I'm under grace brother what what do, what do we do with that
0: Well a, a different subject right yes. I mean it, it, it's there that's that uh, ability of all of us to find any justification grace law moralism anything to justify our choice of Lifestyle, sure. and and it's uh, no more the fault of grace than it is the fault of law when someone yeah. chooses that. But I I wonder as much if I'm afraid that there's something that I have to do to hold on to God that makes it happen. And mm-hmm. so I, I, another way of saying it for me is we never let ourselves get thirsty because we prop ourselves up because we we prop ourselves up with enough disciplines and enough things. So we say, if we didn't have that, I wouldn't have an interest in God. I wouldn't care to read his word Mm -hmm. as though we are these safe sinners who would naturally hate his word. No, I'm a new creature who loves (laughs) his word. Mm -hmm. But I never, under a sin management regime that is afraid of what I would do with grace, I never
2: give myself a chance to get thirsty. John, that is so wise. I love the whole thought there. I never give myself a chance to trust God. Amen. So I get as close to trusting God as I can with my effort. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I do. I get as close to God as I can with my effort because heres I know it's a truism. It's like if I truly was sold out trusting God, I have this innate fear. What would he do with me? as if he has a plan that somehow is more detrimental to me than my plan.
1: Well, he always sends you to Papua New Guinea. Exactly. Every, well, Every you, person. You know there's is.
2: 8 million Christians <laughs> in, in Papua, that place Nick, because that's where God sent them all. Everyone. Yeah. And, and the and, pith helmets sold out. <laughs> and, and, and It changed yeah. the world. Yes. You know, I, I met with uh, a couple recently, and he's gone through an evaluation of his life, and— and he came to this summary statement, and it was so interesting to share it with him. He said, uh, because of all these things were true, what he did is, he said, I became self-sufficient and very successful. And then I looked at him and I said, and what else? Oh, man, he said, I, I just became a disaster. <laughs> I, just, I just became a disaster.
1: There's a lot of successful disasters. Exactly,
2: <laughs> but it dawned on him... His inability to trust God made him so self-sufficient in his effort that he could brag about his success, but he could never face the reality of the downside of his life. Mm. Mm. So, so back to what you brought up this morning, John, and that is this idea that somehow grace will make me lazy yeah. is really a, a, a misunderstanding of effort.
0: Mm.
2: It really is. It's like, do I put a lot of effort into being more godly or do I trust God and put effort into loving David well?
1: Hmm.
2: Hmm. Do all I, of us, loving David well? Everybody. And okay. uh, all those people uh, in New Guinea? Yeah. <laughs> they've got to come back. Their <laughs> responsibility is I'm to come to Phoenix so, and so, love
0: David well. So, so tell me this. Or, or why did Paul give his very being for the purposes of God. What 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 did he get that people growing up in grace environments or non-grace environments often don't seem to get? Is it because they're spending more time performing for God and not the purposes of God? What caused Paul and and thousands like him in the earliest church to say this is what I'm giving my life to. And I will be
2: so sacrificial in, in right. how that looks. Uh, boy, this is going to be good for another discussion for me. But I'd say this. Sometimes when we talk about grace, we get the idea that it has one part. And that is, for me, but no, no. Paul, as an example, understood grace was in him, for him, for the benefit of others. And so he had, in, um, in his interaction with Jesus on the road, he had this profound promise mm-hmm. given to him. of all that you must suffer, Paul, for others. For others. Yeah. And he said, I get it. I get it. It's worth it. Yeah. It's worth it because it's what you want me to do, Jesus. Uh, it's worth it because I'm convinced that you are the Son of God and I am convinced that you redeemed me, and I'm convinced you've given me grace, and I'm convinced you gave it to me for the benefit of others that's what Paul sold out for mm-hmm. and and so many of us, we want grace for me, and it makes grace unbelievably selfish and David, I think that's at the core of the question today, mm-hmm. because when it's just for me, that I will get lazy, yeah. Because then I'm satisfied that no matter what I do, no matter what I do, God's grace, and it's a lie. Right.
1: And and why would you want to read the word when it is showing you example after example of people who are giving their lives away for someone else? Exactly. Well, no, I would kind of like for grace to make it just easy, please. Thank you.
2: But does that make sense, John? Yes. So that's what Paul did. Paul said, look, I get it. You are the son of God. I get it. What do you want me to do? You want me to do that? Oh, my gosh, what a privilege. Mm-hmm. Oh, my gosh, I'm going to do that. You mm-hmm. want me to do what? You want me to spend 10 years maturing? Mm-hmm. Hey, let's do it tomorrow. No. Mm-hmm. No, Paul's life.
0: A, a preacher, though, could take that same message and turn that into a moralism message. But the way you're describing it is what Paul did. And it was it was from this response of adoring God and realizing, oh, you have a life for me to live. What else would I want to do? Amen.
1: Amen. That's why we, when that analogy of the two rooms, the room of grace and the room of good intentions, we talk about how the road back from the room of grace to the room of good intentions is about four steps. Somehow it's a shortcut, because it's almost a, it's like a 180 degree difference in how you live, but it's maybe a 1% difference in... in How it might look. How it might look. It might look exactly the same in some ways, except you just might get to benefit from actually loving and enjoying the people of God rather than expecting and disciplining and... Uh, yeah, how it
0: might look and their enjoyment of it and delight of it is radically different, but how the behavior looks it might be very similar. It might be.
2: You know, I just, my wife and I just finished a, a group of people in their 50s and early 60s talking about where they are in life and transition. And I was very careful to say to them, Many of you are seduced into an American model of aging. You can't wait to have nothing to do. But it's not a spiritual model. An American model of aging is you just get older. A spiritual model of aging is maturing. Maturing is always at its best when my life is lived for the benefit of others. And and in our culture today, people at 55 can expect to live 30 more years.
1: Thirty more years. It's a lot of years in an RV, Bill.
2: It's, but, but that's what that's what the model is. Yeah, and Christians are buying into it. They can't wait to retire, and 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 Paul couldn't wait to suffer. <laughs> Just wait a minute. What's this? Boy, so what we a, understand what a different if you don't message. Like Paul. Yeah, we <laughs> get it.
1: <laughs> I had a, a teacher uh, at, in college of a professor my freshman year in world religions who just berated Paul. Just thought that Paul was the worst person in the world, and, and she was now Buddhist and had formerly been a nun in the convent. and But she hated Paul, and I, I thought, you know what? She kind of gets it, you know? Like, yeah. you, you really should hate Paul unless you really... Love Jesus. Yeah. So <laughs> Unless you really
2: love Jesus.
0: There you go, we have solved everything you've ever wanted to know about everything. Or nothing. But we're going to keep tackling down to take away the boogeyman and the fears that we have of the implications of if grace really took hold and spread over this land. Amen. Have the best week. Amen. Amen.